We've talked a lot about our hope for renewal of this morning. And Psalm fifty-one, twelve. I keep thinking about that wonderful verse. It's David. He's really screwed everything up. And he comes before God and he's all honest. And he says, oh God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Man, I want that. I know you do too. It, it seems to escape us. And we need that joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In other words, don't make me so hard. So close to you, Lord. Open me up that I may have that willing spirit. Because that's what sustains us. Um, That being said, our scripture. So we're doing a series on the church to prepare our hearts for renewal. Um, Today we're going to look at why we matter to each other and For our scripture reading, I want to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, and read verses 19 through 25. So I'll ask you to locate Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. God, here we are. Broken. Needing you. And we have gathered asking you to meet us, Lord. Father, um, speak beyond what I could ever say. Holy Spirit, uh, help us hear you. Father, may our hearts be open. And we just need you, Lord. It's that simple, Father. Um, May we just worship you and think of how important it is to do that together. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Back in the early 1900s, one of the most flourishing places in the southeast was Carthage, North Carolina. They had the Cadillac manufacturing of horse-drawn buggies. It was the place to be, and a new and up-and-coming guy by the name of Henry Ford wanted to open an assembly place there in Carthage, North Carolina. As he came and as he made his pitch to the town, they were afraid to step out how it would change their community and, and how it would change their way of life. So they said no to opening up a place to manufacture His automobiles. And then years later, 
planning council came to Carthage and talked with the town council about starting a university there. They wanted that to be the place that would locate the University of North Carolina. Of course, now we know it as North Carolina at Chapel Hill, but it could have been University of North Carolina at Carthage. But they made the argument this is a bad place because the locomotive couldn't get up the hill upon which this town sits. So twice they passed on great opportunities for growth and influence because they were afraid to change, afraid to step out. And now little Carthage has approximately 2,500 people. But it could have been so much more. As I think about that illustration of Carthage, I think about the church. You see, when Jesus is present in the body of Christ, it's not always comfortable. It stretches us. And it puts us in a position where loving one another and loving people who are often unlovely because they're broken, ministry's messy. And when you get involved in ministry, sometimes you just want to run the other direction. But that's not the call of the church. The call of the church is, although it can be uncomfortable, although it can be unpleasant, we're called to love people with the love of Christ. It's the DNA of the church. As you look in the book of Acts, which tells us the story of the early church as it was formed, it was all in the DNA of the church that we are to be connected with other people, that we are not to just sit in a building, but we are to be a people of influence that are connected. And before we can become influential in the community, God is to get a hold of us first. And as he begins to get a hold of the church one at a time, he begins to draw the church together corporately. And we're going to look at two of those important truths or promises of what happens when Jesus begins to get a hold of his people. When he begins to get a hold of his church. The first one here I have listed is to purposefully... And faithfully participate in public worship. In the passage we've just read in Hebrews chapter 10. Of course you come down to verse 25. He says, hey, let's not give up meeting together. It is important that we gather. And that we share our many hearts as one heart in worship to Jesus and to God. But before he gets to that plea. Because obviously they still had that day where the time to assemble, people were not there. They were out in other places. And the plea here was, we not only need Jesus, guys, we need to be together. We need to plug our hearts together and to have that together sense of praise and worship and awe of God that happens. Because it's a desire to meet Jesus. But before he comes to that plea, he so beautifully shares what we have. Look at verse 19. He, he says, since we have a confidence, and it's a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's so humbling. Do you realize that God, who made everything, who sustains everything, who is all-powerful, He wants to know you. 
He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to hang out with you. That is the God that we have. And he, he tells us here that he made a way for that to happen. Back in the times this was written, the high priest once a year in a place called the Holy of Holies, it was everyone else was kept out by this thick curtain that showed separation between God and the people because of his holiness. And we know that at the moment that Jesus died, that that curtain tore in two from top to bottom, which signified God was the one from heaven, from top to bottom, who split that curtain open and provided a direct access with Jesus to commune directly with him. And he's basically saying, let's not take that for granted. Hey, he has given us that place to worship him. And it's so beautiful when we come with like-minded believers. With that opportunity, with one heart and one mind and one soul to worship him. And, and so I want to just look, as seeing this outline, three truths as we mark down through the passage. First, we get into that family by faith in Christ alone. Uh, verse 20, he talks about the new and living way. We have that open curtain. He talks about we have that great priest over the house of God. He implores us to draw near in verse 22 with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. To have our hearts sprinkled and to cleanse us from that guilty conscience. Having washed us with pure water. And the only way that we can come, we come not on our own strength. We come not on, on our own ability to do good stuff. We come only by way of the cross. We come only by His perfect sacrifice. That's it. And guys, that message, just as Dorothy sang, that's the Word. The Word is that God loved us so much, He would not sit in heaven and watch us have no hope. So He came, and that's the gospel. But He not only came, He died willingly on that cross i love that where of course ephesians 2 8 9 for it's by grace you've been saved through faith and this not of yourselves it is the gift of god not by works why so that no one can boast we're not going to be up there in heaven talking about well let me tell you about what a good church member i was or let me tell you about how much money i gave to the offering or how i I had attendance for 23 straight years and never missed a day. No, when we get up to heaven, we're not going to brag about ourselves. We're going to brag about Jesus. He's going to be the center of our worship. I love what Martin Luther, the reformer, said. He said, Christianity consists of personal pronouns. It's one thing to say Christ is a Savior. It's quite another thing to say He is my Savior and my Lord. The devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second. Amen. Secondly, you get a grip on life because God is faithful. Notice there in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed. For he who promised is faithful. It's not that we're trying to hold on to our salvation because we're destined to lose that salvation because it's based on our ability to make all the right decisions and, and to 
be able to follow his rules. That's not the point at all. It's not a matter of trying to hold on to that faith because we're going to lose it. It's not a matter of entering the faith or beginning the faith. It's a matter of continuing on in the faith. Continuing to walk on that foundation that is in Christ alone. It's understanding where to run. Because the only place we can run that's secure is him. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of those around me seemed insufficient for the day. There's only one place to go. And then third, we gather together to encourage our faith. Look there in verse 24. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on Toward love and good deeds. Uh, normally, that that word, as it was used in the Greek, was actually spoke of somebody being irritating or exasperating because they just keep pushing and pushing till you, you're you're ready to just lose your temper because they're on your nerves. But the picture here is there's just such a passion in an opposite manner to encourage one another. Man, I, I, I want to see you know the Lord. I, I, I want to see what He does in your life. I've often said, I think one of the biggest roles of pastor, man, you know, it'd be ugly, you don't want to see it, but it's, it's almost like have pom-poms. You know, and say, Go George! Go Dwayne! Or, well, that's ugly, isn't it? But the point of the matter is, to be a people of encouragement. I mean, how can we encourage one another? I love that verse, Romans fifteen seven, the NIV, that tells us, accept one another then. Just as in Christ, God has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We spend a lot of time talking about how wonderful it is that God has accepted me, warts and all. And that's very true. But he also commands us to accept one another. And sometimes that's not easy. Because sometimes we're kind of ugly. And I've always said the worst sin is the one I don't do. Right? Because it's so easy for it to be about me. But the call is that we see one another <laughs> by faith to, to live that godly life and, and encourage one another in that call. Um, I love Brad Eastap in one of his books. He's a pastor. He wrote about this little boy, Jamie Scott, who was rather shy. He wanted to be in this play. He wanted a major role. His mother was worried sick because he didn't have the natural gifts to be an actor, an entertainer. And so he came ready to be picked up from school, got in the car. She was all worried that his heart would be broken. But instead, he was excited. And she said, so did you get a role? He said, I sure did. said, I got the role to be on the team that encourages the people on stage. He's excited about it. And you, and you know what? What a great role. What a, what a wonderful Role to encourage. That leads us to this second point or promise. To actively pray for, care for, serve one another spiritually and physically. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We're to be other-minded. It's so easy to get so hung up on what we face, where we are, and, and what struggle that we're going through. 
But God says, I want you to notice the people who are around you. I want you to notice the body of Christ and and to encourage them on. And and I love Romans 12, 5. It says, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. You see, we're all interconnected. We're in an age that talks about independence. My job is to be independent. But the truth is in the church, we're not called merely to independence. We're called to interdependence. We're called to do this stuff together in the name of Christ. And basically the scripture tells us we all belong to one another. I'm yours, you're mine. We're all in Christ. And it's interesting as you look at that picture that's shared in 1 Corinthians 12 of the church. uh, Christ members are part of a body. And, And you know when we think of a person's body. We often look at what's visible, what's easy to see. You know, like a man sees a woman, he says, Man, she is so beautiful. Flowing hair, lovely form. and She just makes my heart race. You know, a woman looks at a man and says, Oh, he's got those gorgeous eyes that I could just look at every day, moment after moment. But you don't ever hear anybody say, what a woman. Have you ever seen her luscious liver? What a liver. I dream about that liver or that guy. What a pancreas. So masculine. You can no, no, that's not how we talk. No, we we look at the eyes and we we look at the other features that we can clearly see and, and, and how attractive they are. But the truth of the matter is, you start taking out organs, you will notice They are indispensable. You need that liver, pancreas, you need that heart. All of that, it really matters even though you don't see it working. So it is in the church. What is beautiful in the church, there's that interdependence. And it's not that we're fully aware of everything that people do. It's not that we're fully aware of every little job. Who's doing it? Who gets it done? It's the fact that it happens. Why? Because people are thinking not merely about themselves, but Christ and one another. That's how the church is able to function. As those who don't have to have the glory work for Him. And they serve Him together. Uh, Another example of this, you go to a movie. We all like to go to the movie. They try to be creative with the credits. I mean, people don't even sit through and watch the credits, much less read the credits. I mean, you know, after all, who notices who Indian Scout 43 was? Or policeman number 17. You know, you, or, you know, who was the, the co, 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 co director of, you know, uh, this movie? We, but they matter. All of these people work together in order to make that movie something wonderful to see. A great form of entertainment. And so it is in the body of Christ. It's interesting in the book of, Nehemiah, we read about the challenge of rebuilding the city and rebuilding the walls. You have this broken down city and you have people who are willing to come to a broken down city to relocate with the dream of the city being built once again to give God the glory. But there's hardship that's involved. And there's a phrase that continues through the book of Nehemiah and it says, the people... Blessed all the men who volunteered 
to live in Jerusalem. And of course, that word volunteer, it it can still be used to volunteers today. It's a word that means to be impelled by an inner urge, to be compelled to be courageous, to be noble. And so it is with the one who loves Christ, who is a volunteer in his church, who serves not for what um, he is going to personally receive, although he does receive a blessing as he gives of himself. And that's how God made us. As we contribute and as, as, as we give of ourselves, God blesses us and he fills us and, and he strengthens us. And as we see these people who went through this difficult time to volunteer so that the city could be rebuilt, the word means that they were noble. That's the translation. And it is a picture that God gives of those who are willing to give of themselves are noble. When you're willing to listen to the voice of God and to follow His call, That's Nadab, the Hebrew word. That's the being the volunteer that, that he wants. And that's what spiritual renewal is about. That he might strengthen and awaken us to that call. Whatever that may be as he shows us as we discover him. I love Hebrews 6.10. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help him and continue to help. God reads the credits. God knows about the one who other people don't see. Nothing gets by God. (laughs) He's not unjust. He knows when you love His people. And when you give of yourself to advance His kingdom. When you give of yourself to serve. You become a blessing. And as all the people... Blessed those who volunteered to see the wall, to see Jerusalem rebuilt. So God notices and gives credit to those who serve with a heart that's open to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews thirteen sixteen. As I close, he says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's pray. Father, uh, speak to us, Lord. What do you want, Lord? Maybe there is one here and needs to follow you for the first time by saying, forgive me of my sins. I place my complete trust in the work of Jesus Christ who died for me on a cross, who was placed in a grave He was raised to life, ascended to heavens where he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he is my hope. You want to make that decision today. What a great time. Today uh, is a great day to trust Jesus. Maybe there's someone else here. and They've just felt their faith slipping. And um, Father, as David said, um, they're asking, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. What a great day for that. Maybe there's others of us here. and The call, he says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Maybe for some reason we're just not willing. Father, may we be willing. May this be the moment to say, I am willing, Lord. (laughs) Whatever it is, Lord, I'm willing.
We have an altar that's open. God, bring those who need to come. Decisions that need to be made right where we are. That's okay. But maybe, just maybe, you want us to come before you to publicly share with your people what you are doing. Father, I just pray you'd have freedom to move among us, Lord, as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.